covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Joe from StartupRate.io. Today I do have the great pleasure to introduce you to a new co-host, to Mario. Hey, how you doing? Hi, Joe. Nice to meet you. Nice to hear you. We've known each other for a long time and I'm happy to be to jump aboard this yeah this tri trip i always enjoyed being a guest on your podcast and yeah we've spoken about this joining and co-hosting one or hosting one it's going to be fun so thank you <laughs> totally my pleasure i have to admit i have tried to get here as a co-host on the very start of startuprate.io so it took only 400 episodes around that to get you on board <laughs> easy peasy <laughs> kind of have to you have the determination and that's always what i loved about this show and this podcast so yeah i uh always i'm really grateful that you kept plugging away at it and uh, now i'm here that is great let us go a little bit through what you've done uh what qualifies you for being the co-host of deep tech germany here um i have met you at the very first startup weekend here in frankfurt and actually you you're one of the fathers of the Frankfurt startup scene. You got the first startup weekend uh, to come to Frankfurt, maybe in one of the first in Germany. But can you tell us a little bit the story, the background, how this all got started here? Okay, sure. Um, so let's go a little bit farther back. So I was always a nerd. It's meaning I, I'm one of these kids that learned programming at the age of 12. I basically was always interested in tech, not just playing games, making games, uh, like writing code for websites. I got like next to school, I got a job writing one of the first web, uh, one of the first mobile websites. I was always interested in playing around with technology. And so around when I, when it came to time to go to university, I realized that yeah, when I was in the first sem semester at university, I realized, yeah, like the people around me aren't like that interested in tech at one hand, but also not interested in like building something actually. Like they were just interested in getting a job. And I was more in, at the time already had like written work, uh, have wor had worked on 3D engines, had worked on interesting web projects. And so I, I wanted to start something basically and learn more the business side of things. So in university, I had trouble finding like-minded people. I studied my first university was in Koblenz and it just, there wasn't that much of an entrepreneurial spirit. Luckily I lived in Frankfurt at that time for several years and already had like some friends in the tech community. And so one uh, good friend of mine basically sent me a mail. Hey, there is this event in Amsterdam called Startup Weekend. This sounds like you should go there. And we basically both bought tickets and then, yeah, just went for it, drove to Amsterdam and had an amazing weekend where we basically met lots of like-minded people. And that was basically the point of it. Like finding people that are interested in, in not just in building a business, but also interested in raising a community of business innovators and business uh, business-focused technologists in a certain sense. 
And I was from this weekend was so inspired. I came back and said, like, I need to do something here. I need to do something with that. And uh, Koblenz wasn't the city for me to organize this because I just I've, I've, I had lived in Frankfurt so long and I had community there. So I said, okay, let's let's try to organize the first startup weekend in Frankfurt. And it has to be back in something like 2012. When was yes, it? That was in 2012. I still have some flyers around here of that event, <laughs> just for memory's sake. Um, Mario, I, I just realized that was 11 years ago. Yes, we're old. We're getting old. Huh. We're getting old. And so, yeah, the, um, in, yeah, so in 2012, I basically, yeah, found, founded, uh, this, let's say, loose organization. We didn't even like incorporate or anything, um, of like-minded people. I just went to several events of different, um, uh, several events of different, yeah, business-minded, uh, folks. Most of them were, more like 40 plus that was the business community back then like not the typical startup 20 plus student kind of crowd that you see in like many startup events that was not frankfurt frankfurt was a very serious community around the time and i wanted to a little bit break the mold i um stumbled upon a couple of students at the university in frankfurt and uh Through one way or the other, we started even the Frankfurt, uh, we called it back then Frappe, the Frankfurt Uni uh, Un University Entrepreneurship Program. And uh, yeah, that student initiative is still running to this day. Like they're organizing trips to Berlin, trips to Silicon Valley. Uh, they um doing great, uh, great community events. So I'm very proud of that. Um But yeah. Uh, around this, uh, with this group of some students, some from the tech scene, we could organize the startup weekend. We, the Frankfurt Innovation Center for Biotechnology was actually the first, like, organization that kind of bought on. They basically said, yeah, you can have the location. We just give you the location on that, on that weekend. We know it's going to be, because you have to imagine, like, getting in a location, not just for an evening or a, a day, but for a full weekend, Friday to Sunday uh, evening is something that's not that easy to get. And the Frankfurt Innovation Center and uh, especially the manager back then, Raphael Schlapper, he was really like just in on the idea and basically gave me uh, permission to host the event. And basically that kickstarted a lot of things in my career. Besides um, all the tech stuff, I just, got an entrance through that to speak to people in pharma and biotech. I got an entrance to speak to lots of, yeah, <laughs> let's say um, people I would need for that event. Like um, I was speaking, I was suddenly find myself speaking to lots of CEOs because I kind of needed a jury and judges and these types of things. I needed mentors. So I was basically, it was for me personally, a very, um, Career, career building, but also like personality shaping environment because to organize such an event, you kind of have to get out of your comfort zone and to make it a good event, you have to not just expect that people will come, but be out there, be selling it, be selling the idea, be selling the concept and yeah, get in contact with the right people. And yeah, so that was Startup Week in 2012. We organized it, 150 people came. We had great food, great, uh, great, um, Yeah, some talks, mentors. Uh, it was a 
big jolt for the startup uh, ecosystem here in Frankfurt, I think. That's what many people tell me to this day. And I think the winners of the first startup weekend, they just celebrated like their 11th year uh, in uh, existence and they've just were awarded a prize, a uh, startup called BetterVest. I'm still like one that I'm still proud of, like just being the place where they came together in a sense. So that was something that's always like uh, good to know. Um, so at the time I was um, working on startups that I was building basically after we've organized this event, like some of the, uh, one of my co-organizers of the event, Clemens, he said like, you know, we're helping all these people start businesses, but we're kind of not really starting one ourselves. And uh, I have this idea. And I said, oh my God. He said, yeah, I want to have, the, I want to um, do something for like something really masculine. I want to do uh, something around protein powders and so on. I was like, okay, where's this going? And he was like, yeah, there is this subscription box idea. You have heard of this, like glossy box with like perfumes and uh, samples. Um, let's do this for, pro for bodybuilders with protein powder samples and so on and call it muscle box. So I said, ah, come on, that's much too easy to do. Like, it's just uh, a simple e-commerce business, not that interesting. And he said, well, if it's that interesting, then let's see how he can do it. And then, yeah, he registered the domain. I built the tech behind it to make it work. And uh, we got quite some revenue through, through that. And yeah, it was one of my first businesses that I really incorporated, where it really went to the notary, formed the legal entity and all these things. But sadly, the startup failed for reasons that uh, are mostly in the um, yeah dynamism, the, us being like very um, not flexible enough to pivot to the point where it would have worked. We kind of uh, held too, uh, held that idea too, too um, strictly. Uh, we kind of wanted to sell that box if we would have like pivoted and probably created our own brand because the brand work was really well done. We probably could have made that work, but we were too young to see that and go for it. Um, with that off my shoulder, um, I basically took over uh, the agency that I was working for most of uh, yeah my time that I was since school, basically. It was a web development agency. We did marketing projects for larger brands like Red Bull and uh, VW and so on as a subcontractor. And... Basically, those uh, that agency I kind of grew very quickly to like six, seven uh, employees, uh, lots of customers in all all over Europe, and um, that yeah that went just well. But it wasn't something that I was interested in because it was just building other people's dreams, ideas, and thoughts. This is something where uh, I basically said, okay, like I just need something else. And I basically got in the habit of organizing events out of procrastination, meaning I organized a, a monthly founders table. It was like an event where company, uh, company founders could get together, share a beer and talk about their sorrows. Uh, I tried to become part of that like bartender personality. Just come to me, tell me, and we'll just talk shop. Uh, stuff that you maybe your friends won't understand, but we will. That was the idea behind it. And it worked quite well. It was one of the largest uh, meetup groups in Rhein-Main for the longest time. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just yes. just checking the website. It, it, it's still around on Meetup, and it has more than 5,100 members. Yes. But uh, ever since COVID, we stopped organizing this. That's uh, I wanted to get to later to that. But basically, um, yeah, it, it was a good time. And then Startup Weekend 2015 rolled around. And I was once again on the hunt for judges, on the hunt for um, mentors and so on. And one of the mentors I had for uh, the Startup Weekend in 2012 uh, was Rene Maudrick. He was the CEO of Fastbill back then. And we just got to talking different things. Like uh, I tried using Fastbill for Musclebox for certain reasons. And um, we just talked shop a lot. And basically before the startup, we can roll around. He kind of asked me like, Mario, why don't you become my CTO? And then I said like, actually, I'm not really happy being a CEO as a, of an agency changing, running from project to project, not being very technical in most of my tasks. And I found, I was always admired uh, Fastball for the, not just, not the technology itself, but like the division and the, um, yeah, the focus to helping founders just be founders and be, uh, yeah, supporting, uh, be basically the person that, clears the pathway for them, you know, running a business in Germany with all the tax regulations, with all the financial duties is not that easy. And having a piece of software that aims to make this easy to understand and easy to manage was something that was just a nice goal. So I could, I could see myself doing that and could see myself supporting Rene on his mission. And so we, I joined Fastball as a CTO with my entire staff. Like the entire staff just merged into that company. And ever since then, that was end of 2016, I was the CTO of Fastbill. And so, yeah, that is basically how I got into that role. So just being present, being very technical in the day-to-day work that I do, just because consulting different larger entities on how they should develop their projects and like actually being hands-on in the code with them. Um, just so I could then like be the person certain people trust with complex technical problems, technical questions. And then basically being there when, uh, somebody's needed and making that jump into the unknown, as they say in Frozen. Um, I, yeah, what people, people can already tell you have children. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, two of them. Very happy about that. So, um, yeah, that's how I got into uh, Fastbill. Uh, at Fastbill, we kind of devised the plan on how to grow and win the market. We raised venture capital uh, through two rounds, basically. And uh, ultimately, um, developing multiple interesting technology stacks, a multi-banking solution, all kinds of regulatory hurdles on the way, Tough, uh, tough, uh, some tough times, some beautiful times, um, and at the end of it, basically, uh, was the exit. We sold to FreshBooks, one of the largest North American players in the accounting accounting market, and at that stage, I was already um, at that stage. Basically, I was already in the mood for 
a change, so to say. And FreshBooks offered that. Basically, they uh, said, hey, Mario, you don't have to stay CTO of FreshBooks Germany. You can do something else. We are looking for somebody that helps us integrate all the companies we want to buy around the world. And that sounded interesting. So it came with lots of flights to Mexico, for instance. They acquired a company there. Also Canada, Toronto there, where their main office was or is. And yeah, after uh, roughly one and a half years of doing that, um, FreshBooks went through a phase of downsizing and basically we decided to just part ways because uh, I was already doing at this point, what was it, eight, nine, eight and a half years of accounting where uh, I was wanting to see different things in the tech landscape. AI was just all the rage I had spent already basically 90% of my free time that I didn't spend on my kids. I spent playing around with all the um, generative AI topics. I built, built some uh, retrieval augmented generation tools. I just wanted to know like what can be done. And so uh, kind of part, parted ways. And now I'm like uh, kind of a freelance AI consultant for some companies, but also a mentor for lots of uh, tech companies, uh, smaller tech startups um, that just have a CTO and just, that person also doesn't have the t decade, basically, of experience that I have. So once somebody on the side, and I do that a lot these days. Mm -hmm. I see. Um, what kind of deep tech topics are your main interest? You already mentioned um, AI. I, I remember vividly when we've been in Barcelona at EU Startup Summit, you went on into a lengthy, but for me, um, understandable um, explanation what large language models are like in terms of hills and valleys and so on and so forth. Um, by the way, great evening. And um, the, it, ever since I associate you with AI, but not only AI, right? No, like that was actually the gift that I received from my tenure at Fastbill. I always had to have the on the one hand, the long-term technological strategic view, but also the day-to-day, -day, how do we keep this from like burning all down uh, view of the technological piece. So I had to have a 360 degree and all kinds of things take. And deep tech is just so interesting to me because it can fundamentally change your how you reason about technology um, in the sense that It might be that just changing out a piece of your court infrastructure reduces your costs by tenfold. And suddenly you, you have enough resources to hire two additional people, which then can scale other things in your business. But you may not be aware of this if you do not have that overview, if you do not know where is my money going, if you do not know where is, how is my tech even built? Like I've, I'm speaking re relatively often with uh, CTOs that do not know how their infrastructure is actually comprised because they um, think they can abstract away that understanding in some senior architect who has different goals than the CTO has. And that is something where I always, um, yeah, we're always interested. Uh, I'm always in, interested in keeping up to speed and keeping uh, an understanding of how things work, how they are put together, what they cost as a, very big point. Like that is something 
that many, many people around the whole AI debate currently have out of their uh, view. They just look at the possibilities, but not how that fits into the whole cost structure of building software. And that is something which is deeply fascinating to me. You can, as I would say, be an external CTO plus um, a, a, obviously a software development accountant. <laughs> a software development accountant like there's this there is one of one of the people i admire on twitter it's isn't it his twitter handle is quinnipig cory quinn he's uh he calls himself a cloud economist um basically what he was is was a software architect and he basically decided hey ca calling myself software architect doesn't get me as many leads as calling myself the person that saves you money by on your cloud spend And that's just a beautiful way of reasoning about his part of the, um, yeah, infrastructure. Because yes, the, if you're a good software architect and you can reason about cloud spend very well, you can save companies millions of dollars. But if you basically say, I'm a software architect, you get, you can build them like what, 15,000, 20,000 euros a month. If you say, Hey, I'm going to save you two, uh, one million a month. I'm going to bill you 200,000 that for that month. And it's still going to be reasonable for the company. So um, that is something which uh, I found always admire, uh, always to be admired. And it's also something which just sh goes to show where if you can bring these different points of views together uh, of, of technology and how it works, then you can like make a, a, a material difference into it, not just the business, but also like the lives of the entrepreneurs and the employees. Um, two questions. One, uh, did, did, you, did you try poutine in Canada and did you like it? <laughs> Actually, uh, it's kind of funny. I, the thing, uh, I have to say, I love Canada. Every time I was in Canada, I loved Canada. I loved poutine, but I didn't love poutine for like the reasons that uh, the Canadians suspect that it's just good. I I had childhood memories of it because my mother used to make a dish that was very similar to poutine unknowingly. It's just very common to uh, was very common for my mom to like uh, make uh, pork roast have some gravy left over and the next day hand some schnitzel or something uh, with fries and the uh, gravy from the pork roast. And so the gravy and the fries always like were very nice childhood memory. And then just, just adding some cheese is not actually some cheese curds is not that far off. So I was always like happy with uh, poutine. And whenever I get a Canada, I got to have it. It's just a thing. And second question, you talked about Mexico. How spicy could you get in Mexican food? Ooh, um, Ooh. that was that was that was an experience. Like, I like spicy food. Uh, I, I really like spicy food. But um, when uh, the Mexican team basically, when they invite you to, and, and they invite you to a Mexican restaurant, and you say, "Please give me the spiciest thing you have," basically, they don't give you the <laughs> spiciest thing they have. They don't because they know. And then you try the spiciest thing and it's hot, but it's, it's, it's manageable. And usually after like a couple of drinks, they say, Hey, we, we'll get you the thing that's actually spicy. And then you get afraid. And yeah, so, uh, I didn't sleep very well that night. Let's just say this. <laughs> um, 
It, but I was man enough to completely finish that dish. I didn't. I did not say I, I was the gringo that didn't finish the dish. Um, I had beautiful times in Mexico. I really missed the team there. Uh, it was beautiful. How much beer did you need to get that spicy food down? <laughs> oh, it was probably. It was uh, at least a liter. At least. <laughs> I see, I see. Um, what, what type? So, um, people can expect you to do an interview like once a quarter, maybe a little bit more frequently from time to time. Yes. Um, maybe we'll get together from time to time and discuss some technologies, or you can smart me up on technologies and we will also broadcast that. Um, I would be curious, what are for you? the most exciting topics going forward? Because right now, everybody seems to do AI. As you said, a lot of people don't give thought to the prices associated with it. How much do I have to pay for it in terms of startups? Um, do you think AI is the topic of the next year, at least? The thing is, AI in itself, yes, but not just It's not just AI in itself that is interesting or valuable to talk about. It's the repercussions of AI being the omnipresent force driving things. For instance, if you just look at the whole search engine optimization landscape, there's content farms out there dropping hundreds of thousands of, let's say, half halfway decently written articles into Google, and Google doesn't seem to cope very well right now. I see websites ranking in Google that shouldn't be ranking or they wouldn't have been ranked with the same quality of code just a year ago. So something's off there. And that's just a tiny aside of AI being able to do things at scale that would have been a hundred or a thousand times more expensive than it, than they have become. And that is something where I'm really interested in and also other angles. And That has technological implications, meaning how do I as a business defend myself against attacks that are AI driven? And you will hear, like, you will hear me use this phrase AI driven a lot because you can basically everything that a knowledge worker can do. If you call it AI driven X, then you can see the same thing just a thousand times cheaper at the scale of a hundred thousand times. And what does that mean? And how does this, that change the fundamental technology in so many different ways? That is something that deeply inspires me. That inspires me when I think about how software development should work. Like GitHub Copilot is one of the applications that has been thrown around there, but there's many more in that area. And that is just, that is to me, not a, a discussion about, How does this whole thing of generative AI that we've been talking about work? That is an interesting subject in itself. Like, what can you build with it? Like I said, retrieval augmented generation tools and so on. Uh, Langchain, these frameworks around agent generation. There's all interesting topics in itself. But this is a whole, let's say, game changer for how our technological society works. And That doesn't mean we will just talk about AI, but that just means we will talk about how, do, how does a world with AI look like? How does a world with Gen AI in everyone's pocket look like? 
like just yesterday, my kids were talking to the ChatGPT uh, bot on my phone, where it just it has now this voice activated option where you can just speak to it, and the latency is good enough that my kids enjoy the conversation. So that is something that wasn't a thing even a month ago. And with this, how do we going? Are we going to interact with this? There's car makers out there trying to implement software to have a version of this running locally in the car. What does that mean for the supply chain of the comp uh, of the car manufacturing? Like everybody is trying to get GPUs that can do um, Gen AI. I, I, I'm going into the weeds here. You, you know, I can talk about this for hours. <laughs> My question: I'm just saying, like. We're talking about a world with AI. That doesn't mean we just talk about AI. But for instance, one of the guests, up, guests that have upcoming, he's built an amazing uh, log management software, which sounds ra relatively boring, but his software is so so uh, technologically advanced, advanced compared to other solutions that he is a hundred times cheaper when it comes to storing your logs than any other solution, which. If you have to store a thousand times more of data that's been thrown into your systems because the AIs are doing that, he becomes very relevant. And this is what I'm talking about when I say cost plays a huge, uh, will play a huge factor when dealing with AI, when dealing with modern systems. And that's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. I ha uh, when you've been talking, there is another secret I can spell out here. We're both pretty geeky in loving science fiction, especially yes. audiobooks. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Uh, we're both fans of the uh, Expedition Force books. Um, yeah. Craig uh, maybe we shouldn't have told that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, th those books are really good, but there's like... I, I'm a huge fan of I, I, Ian and Mang's books, like Consider Flavors and all of those culture series novels. They're beautiful. Uh, the Murderbot Diaries, I love them as well. Um, yeah, so many books. But also, I'm a like not just science, like the only fantasy series that I love is Terry Pratchett, like the Discworld uh, books. They kind of like if I wanted the main influence on like my cultural upbringing, I would say the Discworld books. They if I have something cons something that could be considered a conscience, I would say my mother and the Discworld books are equally responsible for that. I have to admit, I, li I like Peter F. Hamilton. He got me into all the audiobooks because I have to admit, I only started really to uh, to listen to audiobooks with his books. Uh, by the way, we link it down here in the show notes, a few of the books. Mario? was a pleasure talking to you, looking forward to our future collaboration and just wishing you a very nice November day, even though it, it looks like the sun never came out today. <laughs> yes, let's see. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to what we're going to do together. Yes, everybody who'd like to learn more, go down here in the show notes. There will be Mario's LinkedIn profile, as well as his email, as well as his Twitter account. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.